welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Edmo Show. So, um, this episode, as I promised, is going to be one of the first discussions on the topic of buck breaking. And so, if you guys don't recall the episode that I did with Fat Jesus, David, and the Misses, uh, we talked about... Um, uh, Lil Nas X and his uh, his music video "Call Me by My Name" or Montero and all this other stuff, and I, you know, and I was, and I made a comment about buck breaking. Um, I did not know at the time that Tariq Nasheed it was made, was working on a documentary called Buck Breaking. So one of my friends who listens to the show, he said um, when I saw him, he was like, "Hey, uh, I heard like I really like the episode and yada yada yada." Um, did you know that Tariq Nasheed was doing a documentary on Buck Break? And I said, no, because um, I don't really follow Tariq Nasheed like that. I'm not really a fan of his. A lot of his, uh, I mean, a lot of his his stuff, I don't really, it, it's not my cup of tea. I mean, he, I first learned about Tariq Nasheed on, um, on uh, what was it, uh, Flavor of Love, where he tried to, he was selling books about how to be a pimp and all this other stuff, or a player and all this other whatnot. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then, um and of course, you know, on social media like YouTube and stuff, he was going back and forth with people like uh like uh Tommy Sotomayor and a whole bunch of other people. So I I'm just not one of those guys that follows him. But my friend follows him and all this other stuff and him and I will have conversations about some of the topics and he'll say, Hey, Tariq Sheet also talks about this stuff. So um he went ahead and pre ordered the D V D and he watched it. He said he loved it, he gave it to me. And he was like, hey, I want you to watch this. Uh, maybe you could use it for the show. And um, that I did. I watched it. Um, however, I'm not going to make this episode on Tariq Nasheed's documentary. I may, I might comment on some things, but this is going to be my own thing. This is, uh, you know. Now, the documentary, I if I had to give it anything out of a one out of five, I would give it like a two and a half. Maybe a two. I did not really like it on the on the premises that this his documentary completely is racially charged against whiteness. So and what I say is, of course, buck breaking has has is derived from a slavery term, which I'll get into later. However, Tariq Nasheed's um, documentary just only talks about whiteness and white devils and all this other stuff and just white 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 is bad white is evil and you know this is not of the black man's doing this is something that he's adopted from from white people and white people are really the the true evil of the world and yada 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 it was something the moment i hear racism of any kind i tune it out like i'm just like okay yeah whatever now there are some things that are true um you know one one of my biggest things is I like receipts. If you can back up whatever you're saying with receipts, great. Now, they did that half of the movie. Only thing that they would do is they would present something like a snippet or a cropped image of an article, especially like from the 1800s or whatever, and then they'll play it only for a handful, like a three seconds and before you got any time to read it, which is understandable. But you don't really get a chance to read it or see what it says unless you pause the movie and then you're left to whoever's presenting that information's own interpretation. Now, there were some people that I liked. Of course, they had my man, Judge Joe Brown. Judge Joe Brown in the documentary was 
flawless. Everything that he said, I, you know, from him, from a legal standpoint, you know, I, I agree with, you know, Judge Joe Brown, he's not too shy about calling somebody a crackhead on TV. So, but, and then they also have my man, Corey Holcomb and a couple of other supposed experts. And the reason why I say supposed experts is because these people have a bias that they want to present, which is fine. You know, if you have a bias, you know, just say you have a bias, but these people are presenting their bias as fact. And I don't really care about your own opinion or whatever. Present the information and move on. Uh, Now, the one thing that, and I may get flack for this from a lot of my black audiences, my black friends, because it's just so strange how, and someone made a comment how, um, most of my black friends are very radically black. Even though I myself am black, I am not a radical black. I will stand up for black things if it's positive. However, I don't like racism. I don't. I believe black people can be racist and as of late have been acting in the most racist manners publicly. Um, and it's all throughout our entertainment. It's all throughout the media, all this other stuff. I don't, I don't ascribe to that, you know, because one thing you cannot control how you were born. And one thing that I hate that America has begun to do is put the sins of someone's ancestors or father or someone who may look like them on that person. Yeah. And, and that's the one issue that I had with this documentary because they try to, to, to give more credit to slavery than should be and especially one thing that I immediately pointed out was that everybody was either a really really radically black talking points black you know comments and all this other stuff like they try to use the 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 comment of we're the original people okay the moment I hear that I tune them out because there's nothing that supports that nothing um you know uh uh and then all on top of that, I like to use that argument if if against these hoteps and all this other stuff, like these people, these black nationalists and, and these these uh black gods and black kings and yada yada yada. My thing is if you're a god, if 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 blackness is God and blackness is king, then how can a god and a king become enslaved? Automatic argument. And then oftentimes these people put more give more power to white people. So They'll say, well, the white devil's this, you know, they took power from us. Well, if you're a God and you're a king, how can someone take power from you? And then they try to say, well, they're stronger than us or they, they're institutions or the systems. And it's like, okay, your, your arguments now falling apart. So that's just my thing. But I am for, I'm for the, the excellence of everybody. I don't really like race too much. A lot of times, a lot, largely because I'm, I'm mixed. So if you're going to sit here and put your your blackness on a pedestal, then that then you're you're becoming a racist because your blackness is makes you more elite than anyone else. So what about someone like me who I can't control how I was born? So are you better than me because you're more melanated? It's a stupid argument. Um but there were some things that I that I did like um especially when they started moving on to current times cuz it's very hard to lie about current events it's very hard to kind of fudge current events now they did give their commentary but that's besides the point but as far as documentary if you want to go watch it you know go watch it go watch it it's not my cup of tea but i mean you can get it on amazon for about 
twenty nine ninety five. That's really it. The only th- like I said again, the only thing that I really liked was Judge Joe Brown in it. That was that was it. So now this is my damn animals, but this is my commentary or my uh, my stance on the topic of butt breaking all sort of stuff. Now that we're done talking about Tariq Nasheed's documentary, what is buck breaking? Buck breaking is a is derived from the breaking horses. Um, now they did make some comments to this in the movie. Buck breaking is you're pretty much breaking a wild animal, or you're domesticating a wild male animal. Case in point, a horse. Buck breaking is derived from uh, from horse training. You got to break the buck. You pretty much you're taking a wild stallion and making him a a more cooperative beast of burden, pretty much, uh, because it's it it's very hard to ride and domesticate a a wild horse, you know. But it's a lot easier to ride and train a a domesticated horse. While they may be the same animal. The spirit is different. So you're pretty much breaking the spirit of the animal, uh, which they talked about in the movie. Now, as far as slavery, uh, the reason why it was called buck breaking, of course, uh, most black people, black people, I, I'm going to revert, most black people, because not every single black person was enslaved. And I hate that people try to pimp that narrative as if all black people were enslaved. Not all black people were enslaved. Um, but enslaved black people were seemed at, were looked at as beasts of burden and they were looked at as animals. And the idea of buck breaking was the physical and sexual humiliation of a man, of a black man. Uh, nine times out of 10, it would be like the largest, strongest black man, the most vocal, the most you know, you would beat him mercilessly, and it it also included sodomy, rape. So, um, so yeah. So now that we're talking about that, now buck breaking that did several things during slavery. Uh, it 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 demasculated the black man. It took the black man, which does not make sense. But if you're already a slave, there there was no real home familial institution you were a thing you were a you were property so it it made the black woman look at the black man as someone who could not protect her so what does that mean for today in today's terms um i will say buck breaking it like i'm not kind of likes the times of slavery is the mental and spiritual breaking of a black man or just a man in period, because we, what we are seeing now is this rise of this LGBT narrative. And it's, it's really, it's something that was, that has been in, that has interest me ever since I was a kid. Uh, For those of you who do not know, I went to Duke Ellington school, of the arts in, in Washington, DC, and where and that was the first time I've ever had to witness homosexuality. Uh, for most of my childhood, you know, it, I never witnessed homosexuality, or at least if I did, I wasn't aware of it. And that's one thing that I kind of missed about my, the '90s and my childhood. Like, yeah, you saw gayness, 
but especially in like movies and stuff, but it was used, it was thrown in there comedically and it wasn't really something that was talked about too much. And the one thing that, and it was my first day of high school, my first day of high school at Duke Ellington, the, I was walking in the halls and I saw two boys kissing by the vending machines, which I was like, what the fuck is this? And it was something in my, in, in my, that I knew was wrong. It was something that I knew that just was not natural. It was not, it wasn't right. Now that, and, and then as I, as I kept going to school and of course it was more and more home, like homosexual students and stuff like that, especially in the dance and vocal department. Um, <laughs> because my school, you had several different, uh, um, uh, arts, you had visual arts, you had dancing, music, well, instrumental, vocal, acting, writing, all types of other stuff. But, uh, that was, that was my introduction to, uh, to homosexuality. And while it was something that I eventually grew, uh, somewhat comfortable with, or I don't want to say comfortable, but somewhat accepting of, because, you know, that's, you know, as long as it's not in my in my household, as long as it's not in my bedroom, as long as no one's trying to pressure me into doing it, it's none of my business. And for the most part, I kind of have that same mentality where if you want to be gay, be gay. That's your business. However, now what we're finding in today's society is that people are trying to make it everybody's business. And a few years ago, I was trying to get, uh, I was trying to go for a job that required a clearance and all this other stuff. And they wanted my high school diploma, even though I had a bachelor's degree. Um, so I, and because I've moved so many times, I've lost track of my high school diploma. So I had to go back to my high school and get a copy of my diploma. The moment I got there, one, the school had went through reconstruction. So the school that I knew was no longer there. Nothing that was there, I was familiar with. Everything was different. Everything was new. But the one thing that I did notice was that there were rainbow flags everywhere. And the one and another thing that I noticed was that there were more effeminate homosexual students than the time that I went. Uh, even though I graduated in 2008, we knew who the gay kids were. Uh, it wasn't really a thing. If anything, the more vocal ones were the girls. The girls were the most vocal. The guys were like, eh. They kind of kept in their own little circles and all this other stuff, you know. But every, but the, the 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 there was an unspoken rule. As long as you were cool, we were cool. As long as you weren't trying to push that gay stuff or trying to hit on a dude or do this or do that, it was cool. Everything was fine. No one messed with you. But now, after going to my high school, homosexuality was being promoted. The moment I walked in, it was uh, it, I saw flyers to, specifically to gay kids about about pride and all this other stuff and and gay flags on virtually every like bulletin board ever talking about living your truth and yada, yada, yada. You know, it, it, it's something that raised an alarm in me. And there was another incident, uh, back in my childhood, my senior year, uh, I was living in DC at the time and I was with my mom and, uh, we were living in an apartment and one of the guys that I went to school with lived in my apartment building and at school, he was a flaming homosexual, carried a purse, everything. And when I was, in, my mother and I, we would walk to the Safeway because the Safeway was literally like a block away. So we go to Safeway, 
you know, grab groceries, come back. And we saw this guy and his mom and same thing. No dad around. He was with his mom wearing a purse, wearing girls clothes and all this other stuff. My mom was so shocked. She was like, uh, do you know him? And I said, yeah, he goes to school with me. Mm, is all my mom said. She kept her comments to to herself until we went into the house. Um, you know, I just waved to him and said, what's up? Once we went in the house, my mom says, um, is he gay? And I said, clearly. <laughs> and my mom started laughing. She was like, what is going on? Like to her, this was alien, you know, and, and, and I just said, well, mom, you know, that's, that's how it is, you know, and my mom had to ask me, she was like, I hope you're not gay. I hope you're not living a different life. I said, hell no. I like women. <laughs> I like girls. Uh, she was like, good. And just having this conversation with my mom was kind of uncomfortable and it was kind of weird. But now as an adult, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing her concern, especially now that I'm, you know, uh, dealing with, you know, the missus and us talking about having kids and all this other stuff. Uh, the biggest issue that I have with the LGBT alphabet community is the, the forced acceptance you know, like I said, um, there are plenty of, of people that I have in my life who are homosexual, who I care about as human beings. Do I approve of their lifestyle? No. However, it's not for me. I'm not in their household. I, you know, I, they, I don't have to deal with them in that capacity, you know, um, but I love them all the same. And, and I've said in one episode uh, as referring to uh, Christianity uh, if you're a Christian or Jew or a Muslim, you cannot be gay. It is in the doctrine that you cannot be gay. And I think I read it on the same um, episode as covering Lil Nas X. There's laws for that. You know, now, if you're not a Christian, you know, that's not your cup of tea. You're not Jewish. You're not Muslim or whatever. Hey, have at it, you know, because that's not your law. That's not your doctrine. And you got to deal with whatever you whatever comes with after when you pass. However, for me, because I ascribe to the Bible that I no, I, that's not for me, you know? Um, so, but in buck breaking, I do believe that there is a movement going to feminize the black man or to feminize men. But, but the reason why I say the black man is because from high school, I and maybe it's because I'm living more in the world, but I'm seeing more of a push for gayness. I'm seeing more articles. I'm seeing more things, you know, corporate-wise. Gay people are getting more benefits than black people, and gay people are trying to use the civil rights arguments of blacks for themselves. And one thing that I can say is, and, and, and I... You know, if you get offended by this, you know, that that that's on you. But no one's in your bedroom. No one cares about who you sleep with. Ultimately, no one cares. However, you cannot hide the fact that you are black, the fact that you are Asian, the fact that you are white. You cannot hide your race. If no and. If no one asked you, why does your sexuality have to be a topic of discussion? Who you sleep with, who you share your bed with, who you live with is your business. The issue that I have with gay people is that 
if you don't accept them, if you don't approve of their sexuality, you are now a bigot. You are now homophobic, which to me, the term homophobia does not make sense because homo meaning the same phobia, meaning an irrational fear. So why would I fear? Why would I have an irrational fear of something that is the same? Why would I have an irrational fear of gay people? Me not liking something is not an irrational fear. It's just not. I just don't like it. Not everybody likes, you know, red meat. Do they have a a phobia of red meat? No, that's not your cup of tea. But this push for acceptance, this push for agreeing, this push for protection and all this other stuff, to me, is a bit much. Now, should should gay people be persecuted for the facts of being gay? No, they shouldn't. As long as you are in a consenting adult relationship, as long as you are over the age of 18 and you want to consent, you know, if you're a guy and a guy and y'all consent to being with each other, if you're a girl and a girl and y'all consent to being with each other, hey, have at it. That is your business. You know, now I will say that I do have a, a slight aversion towards PDA. I don't really care too much for PDA. The same way... You know, I don't like seeing people overly embrace. Now, of course, you give each other a peck or you hold your hands and yada, 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 hey, fine. But I don't even like seeing straight people make out, like tongue each other down, bust a slob and all types of other stuff. That shit's just gross. Get a fucking room. Like, I, that, that shit is just nasty. But I don't like seeing gay people either. And it's just weird. And this push for, for gay people to want to be treated the same as heterosexuals. That's how can you be treated the same when you're already doing something different? You can't. I I had this argument with a um, with a gay friend of mine where we talked about gay marriage and he says, well, do you agree with gay marriage? And I said, no. Well, what's wrong with gay marriage? I said, it's not marriage to marry something is to take two things that are complementary that are meant to be put together and put them together. That is what you call marrying. A plug, you have a male end and a female end. When you put them together, you marry the connection. You cannot put two male end plugs together. You cannot put two female plugs together. It just does not work. You cannot generate power like that. And I use that analogy. So he says, well, well, uh, but we're not talking about that. We're not talking about biblical marriage. I'm like, well, that's not, I'm talking about the actual definition. Put two things that are meant to be together together and they work. You cannot put two like things together and expect them to work. It just does not work. I'm sorry. Like, it's just logically speaking, it does not work. A man and a female can create a child. A man and a man and a woman and a woman cannot create a child together. So therefore, what is their marriage? They don't have one. They are just roommates living together and they want the they want the government inside their home. If you want to spend your life with that person, why do you have to get married? I mean, and I've heard that I've heard some people use that as far as straight couples, but for gay couples, like what benefit do you get out of marriage? It's not like you're producing children. And then I use the argument. So who's going to take whose last name? Well, I don't think that matters. Uh, Yeah, it does. It does matter. Who's taking whose last name? Traditionally, the female takes the male's last name. Because she acts in his capacity when he is gone. So in two men and two women, who's going to take whose last name? So ergo, you are still going to have to imitate the male and female dynamic. 
you're just going to have to. So what you're doing is you're trying to create a, a, a false sense of reality. It doesn't work. But if you want to live with that person, if you want to love that person, I can't stop you from loving who you want to love. That's your business. That has nothing to do with me. However, as someone who is married, and I do find it rather insulting that gay people are trying to have kids. And it's like, well, I know a way that you can have kids. Get a woman. Get a man. Like, it's weird when I hear gay people say, oh, I want to have my own children. Why? Why do you want to have your own children? Oh, because I want to experience uh, fatherhood or motherhood. Okay, why don't you just be in a straight relationship? Oh, because I'm not straight. Oh, but you want a, ch- you want a child though. That's like saying, I want fire, and you're sitting here trying to rub two ice cubes together. Like, you don't get fire that way. It, it, it's just, it, it baffles my mind, and it baffles my my sensibilities. But, um, but to buck breaking, like, this is... Buck breaking in nowadays is the system is the I don't even want to say systemic, but it is the it is the process of trying to emasculate the man. And and I, in the, the the little Nas X um, uh, episode, I, I said black women are the biggest perpetrators of buck breaking of black men. And some people got offended about that. However, I don't care. And here's why I say that. We are not seeing marriages like we used to. People are still getting married, but not to the point that they are. Women, especially in black, urbanized, disenfranchised communities, are not marrying at the same rate. And one surefire way of getting out of poverty is marriage. Marriage is a surefire way to get out of poverty. I, and you could have a minimum wage job. If you marry another person with a minimum, you can get out of poverty. And to me, poverty is more of a mindset thing than a racial or a economic thing. Because as long as you have the will to progress and keep growing and be innovative and take risk and all that stuff, you will not be poor. But most of and and Judge Joe Brown said it amazingly in the Tariq Nasheed documentary. He says, when you look at these poor disenfranchised black communities and you look at these young men, they are lesbians in a man's body because they are being raised without men and they're being raised in their mother. So they think, and, and to that, I will say they think and they act like women. They do. And now it's getting to a point where now men are becoming more, Feminine women are becoming more masculine. Is there a systemic component to it? Yes, I do believe that there is a systemic component to it because boys and girls are different. And they and what we're seeing in schools is that the more energetic boys are now being chemically subdued and being punished to act like girls. Boys are physical beings. They love to run, jump, fight, wrestle, do all these things to get all this energy out. And what you're ex- you're expecting a boy to sit down and listen like a girl. Girls are amazing at sitting down and listening. Boys, however, are need more things to do. And what we're seeing is boys are being punished because they're not acting like the girls. 
also what we're seeing is we don't see a lot of male teachers. I myself, I and my friend and I who who gave me the DVD, I said, and he explained to me his childhood. I told him, well, even though my parents were never married and my mom remarried, so I, I grew up in a split household, uh, I do count myself fortunate because I've had a number of positive and negative male role models in my life. You know, I had a, like a, I have had a lot of uncles. My dad was still active in my life. My stepfather was active in my life. And when I went to school, I had male teachers. You know, I had, uh, I had, which is funny. I had a drawing teacher who is no longer with us, Mr. Harris. And Mr. Harris has probably influenced my life in more ways than just art. But Mr. Harris was by far the most very rough around the edges, very old school masculinity, even though. And I told him he had a he had a little man's complex because the man was only five foot four. But um, but he was very stern with us. He was very like, you know, very like uh, disciplinary. And when but he was also very fatherly because he didn't just give you things just because you wanted it, just because you cried. He, he was no, he was like, get that. He would literally tell us, get that shit out of my office or get my, get that shit out of my classroom. You know, he was like, so you want me to give you an A just because you think that you deserve it. If you think that you deserve it, then you'll perform it. You'll show it. You'll do it. And that stuck with me throughout my life because I remember I, I was probably one of the more advanced kids and it was a handful of us, the more advanced kids artistically in our, in my class. And for Duke Ellington, Duke Ellington, you had to compete to survive in that school. If you did not make the cut, you did not make the cut. So excellence was something that was drilled into us all the time, every single day. And we were in school a lot longer than most kids. We would go to school at seven. You probably wasn't getting out of school till like five o'clock like a job. And Mr. Harris would, uh, I remember I had a, I had an issue with, uh, with one of his critiques and, and I, I told him like I was trying my best and all this other stuff. And he drilled into me. He was just like, you're not trying. If you were trying, you would, you would push yourself. You're in a comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. How can I give you an A if you're living in your comfort zone, you're not even pushing to the point where you're you're learning something in the process. You are just okay. I do this. I do that. You're doing by the numbers. You're just you're just operating. You're not you're not thinking. You're not seeing. You're not exploring. So I can't give you an A. I'm going to give you a C. And then he gave one of the worst students a C, and he was and he was trying. And he said that right there, even though it sucks, he's trying. And I'm like, damn, damn, like, like that. That for me was definitely one of the 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 more kicking the pants or kicking the nuts like moments of my life with him. And that and his teaching stuck with me on top of like my dad's teachings, my uncles, and all this other stuff. But his definitely. In my teenage years, because in my teenage years, I was very rebellious. And what I'm seeing today is that these boys do not have a Mr. Harris in their life. They don't have men, or even if they do, they rebel against them. And then they walk away, and then 
they grow up to be these feminized emotional um, males, because I can't call them men, who act off of impulse. And with buck breaking, in the document, they talked a little bit more about the uh, not so much the sexualization of it, but the mental and spiritual part of it, even though they demonize the Bible and stuff like that. But hey, that's on them. But to me, buck breaking is definitely. I, I w- that is the one of the aspects I would have to agree. However, from a sexual standpoint, men, they are feminizing men. They are feminizing black men. They are champion. They are showing people it is okay. And that this should be accepted for men to act and pretend to be women. Another time when I saw this was in the military. Um, And when I got out of the military, there wasn't really any talk of like transgenderism and all this other stuff. It was it was coming on the rise where women were going to be. I know they were having the debate on should uh, female Marines have the same uniform as male Marines. All the male Marines said no. No, uh uh-uh. Now, female Marines, if they want to, they are able to uh, wear the same uniforms. I remember when I was in, men had more strict standards on them than women. If a girl wanted to have like a, uh, what was, a Justin Bieber haircut, she can have that. However, a man had to have a high and tight or a medium fade or, you know, we could not have any sort of stylistic hairstyles. Now, you know, medium fades are now being stylish, but, you know, for a girl, if she wanted to walk around looking like with a Peter Pan cut, she could do that. You know, there was no haircut standard. So we were saying as men, that's not fair because how is it that a woman, if a man cannot grow his hair like that, but a woman can grow her hair, that's not fair. But Marine Corps said, hey, these are the numbers I will tell you, you will fucking do it. So, you know, it was like rock, paper, scissors, rank and, and uniform standards. So, you know, hey, there goes that that debate. But um, but also in uh, performance, you know, I, I've had this this debate on Facebook, which I have been I am now banned for 30 days um, with a with a person who claims to be a, uh, a transgender person in the arms currently serving in the armed forces which i immediately called him out for being a troll and you know and i told him you are mentally ill because gender dysphoria is a mental illness so now facebook being uh, acting on this part of buck breaking silenced me for 30 days because calling a tranny a tranny and telling them that they're mentally ill that is uh that is hate speech when if you look at the dsm-5 about gender dysphoria uh Gender dysphoria is a mental disorder. So by me calling one a tranny, which is short for trans or a more colorful way of saying trans, how is trans okay, but tranny is not, whatever. But, um, you know, it's ridiculous. But now what we're having is we're having these issues with these boys who are now being feminized by their mothers, by society, to think and act like women. That goes back to the story about my childhood when I saw that 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 uh, that person I knew from school who was carrying a purse, and there was no man around. It was just him and his mother. You know, the, and to me, if 
a lot of times people try to say, use this argument of this is who I am. I was born this way. Lady Gaga made that song. You are not born that way. You experimented, you took pleasure in it, and now you have adopted it. This is not who you are because if this is who you are, then you, like, where is the gay gene? Being black is who I am. I can't stop that. I can't be, I cannot wake up and be not black. You're gay. That is a sexual orientation. You orient yourself to the same sex. You find pleasure in having sex with the same sex. That's not, you weren't born that way. You ex, you've experimented, you had a thought, you had a feeling, you acted on it, and therefore you took pleasure in it. I'm sorry. However, being straight is the, is the, uh, is the default setting because you cannot procreate if you're gay. If there was no adoption agency, if there was no in vitro or other, all these other form of, of artificial insemination, gay people would not be able to have kids because it would require them to have sex with women. But, uh, but to buck breaking and the reason why I said black women are, the the biggest perpetrators of buck breaking is because they are having these these sons without fathers. They are keeping the fathers away. They are driving the fathers away. Or biggest one is they're not marrying the people that they have children with, which it to me is just retarded. And I have a public school education and I understand once you put penis into vagina and you create and, and you ejaculate semen into a woman's vagina and it fertilizes her egg, a baby is born or a baby is now conceived. And if you wait nine months, that baby will be a baby. But what these women are doing is they are having they are giving up the price of their womb, their value and I know this will sound sexist, but a woman's value is her womb. I'm sorry. It's, it is what it is. Because if you didn't, if you, if men did not have a drive to procreate, what value would woman really have? Oh, is it because of your conversation? Well, men can have conversations with other men. Gay men are showing you that. If it's because uh, she can cook, well, men can cook too. So, and it sounds harsh, but a woman's value is her womb and her womb offers a man legacy. Legacy prolongs a man's life. You know, if a man spends his life working, striving, fighting, creating, he wants to, it is, it is, it is, it is stupid to think that I will spend my entire lifetime creating something for when I die, it goes along with me. So that's where the woman's component comes in, which is also important for a woman to take a man, her husband's name. In taking the husband's name, you are literally just as important as that husband. If I was to fall dead today, the missus would have rights to everything that I own because she is my wife. 
And in being my wife, I am trusting her to do with my estate and everything that I that is that belong to us responsibly. You know, and as men, and this is another reason why it is more important for women to marry the men that they're going to have children with, because if I die and we have children, we have already created a standard for our family. Her and I have already come to some sort of agreement or she understands what my desires are for my family. And therefore, she can carry that on and instill that in, in our children, which is why I have been telling men probably and, and some women get upset and other men like Kevin Samuels and so on and so forth have been saying, do not shack up. Do not invest your time with single moms because that is not yours. Now, you can have a child with a single mom, but now you are trying to. How can you as a man and my mom, she she had me and remarried and stuff like that. But how can you as a man, how can you if you're already walking into a woman who has children and their father is still around? How can you create this family, this empire, this legacy, and you still have another man coming in, removing one of the children and now you have a you have another child that's being groomed by another man coming into your house, living off of everything that you provide, living off of everything that you work for. And his dad is still over there. And I lived through that. It's not it does not make logical sense. So what we have is we have these women. They are having these sons. They are having relationships. They are getting pregnant. They're not married. They're not requiring marriage. They're not pushing for marriage, they're not. They don't even know the value of marriage. They have nothing valuable to bring to a marriage with these some with a lot of these new age women, and they're having these children. They're having these sons, or worse, they're having these daughters. These daughters who've never served a man. They've never, you know, they never served a father. They never been loved by a father. They've never been groomed by a father. You know, so now you have these women who are being raised by women without the counsel of men. And these women are going out and they are they don't know how to interact with men. And now you have these men who are being raised by women who don't know how to be men, who don't know how to take charge. They don't know how to be assertive. They don't know how to be respectful respectable they don't know how to have all these things and now they are trying to require these women who've never conformed to a man to conform to them and these men don't offer anything just like these women offer these men so now what they do is they get together they have sex they they procreate another child and then they go about their ways and now this child this cycle continues and as and as this cycle continues there's less and less positive, constructive masculinity being that is covering these children. So now, especially with these boys, these boys don't know who they are. They don't know how to operate in this world. And now what is the only, what is their now default system, their default setting that has been programmed into them? They act like women. They argue like women. They have attitudes like women. They are flashy like women. They have female desires. They like things like women. They want to be taken care of and catered to like women. 
So what is the only next logical explanation? Now these men become victims of other men or they begin. And now you have a society that is pushing this homo acceptance, this 50, what odd uh, sexuality flavors. And now these men are being told by outside sources. It is okay to experiment with other men. It is okay to now you're being born into the wrong body. You know, while you're mentally a female, but you're born into a male's body and you don't know how to deal with that. You don't know how to deal because everything that you've seen has been feminine. So you don't even know what masculinity looks like. You don't know what. And one thing that I, I've said to someone is um, uh, arguing this whole transgenderism where they say, well, I feel like a woman will explain to me what a woman feels like. You can't do it because what does a woman feel like? I can tell you what a woman's body feels like. I can tell you what a woman's vagina feels like, but tell me emotionally, what is the emotional difference between a man and a woman that separates them? I like, you can't do it. You cannot quantify that. You feel like a woman. What is that? Oh, well, I don't like the things that some guys like. So what? A lot of guys don't like the things that other guys like. You got some guys that like guns, like me. You got some guys that like cars. You got some guys that really like sports, but they don't like cars or guns. You got some guys that don't like cars, guns, or, uh, or sports, but they love money. They love building businesses. You got some guys that love cooking. I have a friend named Fat, whose nickname is, uh, is Big Sexy. He's a cook. Cooking is, is asexual, like... Like, oh, you got you got men that like singing. You got women. That, so what does a woman actually feel like? I, I want to know. And, and so now what you're doing is you're having these confused people out here and you are creating mental illness. You're creating a toxic environment. And this is where these, I say, black women are the biggest perpetrators of buck breaking because these women are having sons or they're raising daughters without a husband or they're not picking adequate husbands. They don't want to submit to a husband. And now submission, motherhood, wifehood is now wrong. And now you have shows like Kevin Samuels where he is dissecting what women want and what they qualify for. All women want to be taken care of. That is like, I don't care who you are. Women will always submit to a more powerful alpha male, whether he is a, a, a high value man or whether it's the government. Women will always submit to the bigger, better deal. And it's all, and it's on the woman, what her value is. So now what you're having is these two spectrums. You have these women who want these high value men like on Kevin Samuel's show where they want to have this nice upper middle class life, but they don't want to work to contribute to pay for household incomes and household bills. But they want this upper middle class life and they want a man who's already there. Or you have these women on the bottom end of the spectrum who know that they can get monetary value for their womb, 
where they'll have sex with these men to and they will obtain child they'll obtain welfare they'll obtain uh all sorts of public assistance from the government state and federal and local and they're also entitled to uh child support and to these men who are who look down on marriage who don't want to be married and they they're just saying well marriage isn't for us and all this other stuff here's my rebuttal to you if marriage is so if if you think that marriage if the marriage dissolves that she will take everything if you bust a nut and you give a woman who you do not intend to marry your white gold she will take anything anyway and there are a lot less barriers for her to do it if you do not marry the woman and you Give her white gold free of charge because you are more of a sexual being. You don't look at yourself as something to give, something to offer, not only to her, but the world. And you give her this white gold without her even earning it. So what does she have? She has your child. And she has you on the hook for 18 years financially. Because the way our justice, our family courts are set up, not a majority of the time women get custody of the kids. Now you not only have the custody of your own child, but now you can't even protect your own child from someone else coming in and instilling in them thoughts and values that are not yours. Oftentimes these women will end up changing their children's last name into whoever they're dealing with. And you're still on the hook financially. And if you don't pay, you will end up in jail. And on top, and once you end up in jail, you can possibly become someone else's bitch. So why you have more to lose by dumping white gold off to these unvetted, uninterested women than you do marrying these women? Because if you marry these women, you are making a conscious decision. To invest in this woman, to invest in your legacy, because what this and what a lot of men have stopped doing is vetting each other on the quality of their women. And I remember when men used to do that, I remember seeing my uncles berate another family member because they knew that the woman that he was bringing to the cookout was a hoe. And they will say, yeah, I've, I've been there, done that. I've smashed that. Why are you bringing her here? Or, you know, she a hoe, right? Oh, but I love her. Okay, so now you're in love with a hoe. So now that speaks more to your value as a man because now you are dumping your value into a worthless woman. For women. Women have the, and I don't, I, there's nothing wrong with women wanting what they want, like Kevin Samuel says. However, you have to understand the value are, where are you in the value scale in your sexual market value to where you're even competitive for this type of man? You know, so now and we're going to continue this discussion uh, on to a part two. But this buck breaking it, the this whole buck breaking happens because men do not value the women. Women do not value the men. 
these powers that be, not only government, but the media and whoever else are coming in and they are putting these ideas out there unfiltered because there is no family to filter them. And because there are no families, you don't have uh, you are have you have boys that are growing up without fathers or if they do have fathers, these fathers are weak or disinterested. And there are I have met some gay men who have an active father in their life and their fathers were weak enough to say, you know, to not even care about their children's future. I mean, and and, and it's sad. I mean, and, and or these fathers weren't weren't involved enough to counteract these things. Can you and, and don't tell me. And I know someone in the comment section or someone who's listening to this or someone who who probably takes this and posts it somewhere else. Well, you can't control being gay. Well, if that's if that's not if that's the case, then why do you have more gay people? Why do you we're finding more accounts of gay people who are reverting or trying to go back and or not even go back, but who are becoming straight? Why do you have gay people who are now becoming straight if it's something that is outside of your control? However, buck breaking is a systemic breaking of the male spirit. And and not only sexually as far as like homosexuality and feminization and stuff, they're really trying to break the spirit of men where now masculinity is now deemed as toxic. It's now deemed as something bad that these men have to be put in check in case in point like me. I cannot tell a a person who is transgender in the military that they have a mental illness because that is considered hate speech. Or I cannot say that now that you have these drag queen story time hours that they are specifically going after your children to make them okay with homosexuality or depraved behavior. Because why would you put a drag queen in front of children? So now it, it, our society has become so ass backwards to where you cannot check this new wave that's coming in because now you are deemed as someone who is hateful, someone who is bigoted, someone who is backwards. And what they will do is they will come in, they will destroy you, they will destroy your kids to where there are no more families. And now we are seeing more people who are disinterested with having families, but more interested in being gay and having kids to suit their own selfish needs. And to me, like I said, if you're gay, be gay and accept everything that comes with being gay. If you're gay, you cannot have kids. If you want to have kids, then you really need to do some soul searching and you really need to evaluate your life. And then you also need to think about the repercussions of your selfish desires. Because if you are gay and you want to have a child, one, no child has to be born. So now whether you are creating a child by artificially inseminating a woman and she's carrying your child, which is becoming on the rage now for gay couples. And or you're adopting a child, you are bringing a child into your lifestyle that is unnatural and you are robbing that child of the nurturing energy and the nurturing effects of a woman being that child's mother. Because all you want is the image you want to look like 
you want to normalize something that is not normal. There was an article that came out a few weeks ago about three men who are legally now the parents of a child. First of all, how can three people be the parents of a child? That to me is ridiculous. But on top of that, these are three men. You can, and, and now the question is, who's the actual biological father? Which I doubt any of them were because I didn't really read the article, but I'm just going off the headline. Like, it was just crazy. Three men are now the legal parents of a child. So now not only that, so now not only do we have gay men trying to be parents of a child, but now that they're trying to legalize this, uh, what do you call it? Polygamy. But even in, even in polygamy, you still are missing the common factor of the woman. This child no, does not have an identity now. It does not know where it comes from. It does not know who its mother is or who its father is. This child is more of a prop. This child is just now something that you just want. And I'm I'm sorry, but and and now not only that, but now we have black men that are suffering. We have men around the nation that are that are suffering, but we more importantly have black men that are suffering who are going into these relationships with black women and they are damaging each other and they are creating damaged children. However, in Tariq Nasheed's case, we are so more worried about white racism and white supremacy that we are not even looking at what we're doing, which is why I had an issue with his documentary because it was more putting the onus on white people and not on ourselves. Have white people committed great travesties, in America to blacks, yes. But however, in today's modern time, we have black people who are intentionally damaging other black people who are creating hazardous living conditions and environments for black children. And these black children are the true victims. And these black children are not being perpetrated by white people. They're being perpetrated by the parents who sire them from a black woman who does not vet the man that she allows in between her legs to the man who does not vet the woman who is who he is now giving his white gold to. And you will hear people say, oh, that bitch is crazy. Oh, that nigga's crazy. Yada, yada, yada. But but somewhere people don't say, well, we were both crazy. We did something wrong. And then now we have a child. But however, instead of us fixing our problem and getting counseling or fixing or trying to repair the the situation that we're in for the sanctity of our child and to giving our child their identity, we're going to part ways. And you do what you do. I'll make sure my check's clear. And this woman will go over here because now she wants to date. She wants to have this relationship. Now she wants to find another man. She wants to find a higher value man, even though she just gave the most valuable thing to a man who wasn't worth it. And then they end up calling the Kevin Samuel show. Just saying. But I know I went a roundabout way, but this buck breaking thing is really about the breaking of the spirit of men, of destroying this masculine energy, this masculine spirit, this masculine uh, statue that stands in the family. And without the masculine energy, Who's going to be the masculine one to adopt or to protect the family? The woman. 
And the woman is not built for that. So now what she is doing in becoming this masculine spirit, she's destroying her own feminine spirit to adopt something that is not around. And she is breeding these children who are now dysfunctional and they are now susceptible to outside influences that are not at the control of the parent. So we will continue this. Um, we will, uh, I definitely want to get fat Jesus in on this. I want to get some other people on this. Um, but we will definitely talk more about the gay component. We would definitely talk more about the familial component, the marital component, but I am once again asking for your financial support. Thank you, Bernie. We are now asking for your, for you guys' financial support. If you guys will feel so endowed in your heart to donate, Please, we have PayPal now. You guys can donate however much you like, as long as it's not your bottom dollar. But even if it is $1, but just not as long as it's not your last dollar. But you guys can donate over to PayPal. We are still partnered up with Wilder Tactical. You guys can visit them. Use that Edmo code 21, uh, Edmo 21 code uh, to get you guys a, a discount. Um, but also, if you guys, you know, are just on hard economic times and you already spent up that stimulus check, you guys can give us five stars in a comment wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you guys want to get involved, please visit us on Instagram and Facebook. And we will see you guys later. Peace out.